Well, I think we've just gone live. Yeah, good to see everybody. I hope I've gone live anyway. I tell you what would be brilliant if somebody could make a comment, say hello, let me know you're here. That would be great. Oh, I've got one viewer. Hi, Jill. <laughs> brilliant. Good. We're live then. That's magic. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes to make a start, so I'll just wait for people to arrive. Oh, got, hi, Kate. Hi, good to see you. Got a few, got a few joining now. That's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. <laughs> You're live, doll. Thanks, Joe. Great, good. I can relax and I've done it all right. <laughs> Thanks, Amber. <laughs> Thanks for your help, Amber. It's good to be here. Who else is joining? What's that? Bring them on camera. I don't even know what that means. I'll tell you what, I'm just going to keep talking to the camera, keep looking straight ahead, and just assume that everybody is with me. We've got another couple of minutes yet, so we'll just wait for people to arrive. Um, I don't know any jokes. Jill would be the one to do for that one, but she's it's not here. Hi, Elizabeth. Great to have you with us this morning. Brilliant. This is really exciting. I can't believe that I'm well, 9,000 miles from, from where uh, Tiwa Tess is based, from Tiwa Tess headquarters, but I know that there's people that join from even further afield. So... Uh, it's good, I'm not part of a... Oh, hi Claire, good to see you. I'm not part of a meeting this morning, I'm part of a movement. This is brilliant. Who else is coming in? We've got a few more joining. This is this is terrific. Well, it's nearly... Hi Melissa, it's nearly nine o'clock, so... I'll make a start in a moment. It's great. If you're joining, just say hello. It'll be great to have you. With it. Great to welcome you. Brilliant to see <laughs> yeah, Amber, Jill's jokes. I tell you what, I should have had Jill here as my warm-up act. It would certainly make things a lot easier. Uh, who else is that? Hi, folks. This is great. This is great. Well, nine o'clock. I think I'll probably just make a start then. Um, so, good to be here. Great to be here. Hi, Fiona. Good to be here on Tea with Tess. Now, Tea with Tess has become a hugely valuable space in the last couple of years. In fact, I wouldn't even say it was hugely valuable. I would say it is a movement. This is a movement. This is incredible. Some of the things that have happened, some of the stories that have come out, the things I've heard from Jill via Tea with Tess are quite incredible. So it's an absolute honour to be here. Um, I also want to honour the bravery and the boldness and the, the courage of Tess for, for stepping out and for showing up and for fronting week after week. I was going to say in season and out of season, but actually probably... Everything's probably been out of season over the last couple of years and possibly even more so in KZN than many other places. But I also want to honour each of you, each of you who, who knows the value of community and sisterhood and who are determined to lay hold of all of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of you. You're all pioneers, every single one, you're all pioneers. Now, consistency is perhaps not the most exciting adjective in the book. We all like the sounds of words like inspirational or in church circles we like to be described as anointed. Uh, or big phrases like they have audacious faith. But consistency and our equally elegant sister perseverance are what make all the difference. These are the keys to finishing the race and finishing well. So I'm here today as a, as a beneficiary of Tea with Tess. A few of you will know Jill. 
Um, she's been here from the start, I think, and the weekly rhythm of, and the weekly blessing, and the weekly community of Tea with Tess has borne great fruit in her life, and by extension in her family, in her house, in her circle of friends, uh, in the world she inhabits. And I believe it's fruit that will last. So Tea with Tess is a deep well of encouragement and refreshment and nourishment and friendship and blessing. And, and I've been living in the overflow of this blessing for the last couple of years and I'm very, very grateful. So here we are. Let's hear it for the boys. In, in many ways, I feel like I'm standing on the, the shoulders of giants. Uh, John, Mark Stone, JD, over the last few weeks have been a, a joy to hear from. Uh, I remember Andre Barnard stepping up quite boldly last year as well. So see, I have been dropping in from time to time. I've got to be honest though, I don't know how to play guitar. I don't know how any limericks. I don't even have a beautiful baby to hold up to the screen like John did. But maybe I should just take a few moments to, to introduce myself. So my name is Stuart and I'm married to Jill and we celebrated 21 years married last week. 21 years. I know, I know, I know. We look far too young for that, right? We look far too young for that. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Eh? So what's the secret? What's the secret? Well, it's not, it's not about staying super hydrated and it's not about having a rigorous skincare regime. No, 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 no. I reckon the secret is, it's the hope and the new life in Jesus and the fierce love and support of an amazing woman. And these are the things that sustain and renew. Now we have, we have four boys and as you probably guessed, we live in Scotland. Uh, we're around half an hour north of Edinburgh. I have loved hearing about the chilly weather in South Africa this week. You do realise that it's exactly the same temperature here is there, but we have a special word for that. We call it summer. Anyway, we're part of the leadership team at the Vine Church, and that's in our home city of Dunfermline. Hi Tess, great, great to have you with us. Brilliant. Um, Jesus saved me at 6am one Sunday morning in the late 90s, when I walked into it, it was like a city-wide inter-church prayer meeting. And I walked into that meeting after being thrown out of not just one, but two nightclubs. Um, that's a different story though, and it's not a story we'll get into today. But right from the outset, I, I reckon I felt that God had a call. God has a call on my life and on our lives. So for the first few moments today, I think what I'd like to do is just take a little look at calling. Now, I remember a conversation with a friend a few years back. He reckons that your call is the same as your work. Now, think of your call as your work. And if you're really blessed, your work will line up with your job. But they're not necessarily the same thing. But your work or your call is simply what you were made to do. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 2, is one of my favourite verses. Actually, I say that quite a lot. It's one of my favourite verses. But this is one of my favourite verses. Ephesians 2.10. So, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, I'm an architect by profession and after spending more than a decade gaining experience with others, I set up my own practice in 2009. And since then, 
have had the, the blessing of over 350 projects. The undoubted highlight for me was a few years back and it was the opportunity to contribute to the rebuilding effort in Haiti after the earthquake and alongside some incredible people, Memories for Life. So we're involved in the design of a mission hospital, two schools, an accommodation centre, an orphan's village. We met some incredible people. My company name when I set up is Architecture Design Development and it's usually shortened to ADD or more commonly AD and quite simply I believe that as temples of the Holy Spirit we bring more than just ourselves to our everyday situations. We add. For many of us the largest part of our day is spent in our working or business situations so we can add here. And we don't go into these places alone, but the name Ad is a reminder that I bring more than just myself to every project. Uh, there's an opportunity to add value. We are blessed to be a blessing and our work can be an act of worship when it's offered to God. There's no sacred profane distinction here. All can be sacred. It's offered to God. So I believe our calling is not limited to being within the four walls of a church building or even in our immediate church community. It's not even limited to the dimension of business or work either. We can add value and carry the transformational presence of God in our families, in our communities, in our schools, and in the government, in the worlds of sport and media and leisure, all the things that we inhabit everywhere we go, we can affect change and bring blessing across our nations. Every one of us has something to bring. Every one of you has something to bring. Every one of us can add value. And that's because I truly believe that every one of us has value. Every one of us has value. Every one of us can add value. Now, it's from the overflow of our hearts that our mouths speak. And God's put within each of us a new heart. Jesus taught in Matthew 13, 33, one of my favourite verses. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast a woman used in making bread. Even though she put in only a little yeast and three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. See, it's all about transformation. And that takes place when we lift up others. Yeast makes things rise. Listen to me talking like I'm an expert baker, eh? <laughs> Do you know, Jill can confirm this. We once spent a week living the middle class dream when we brought home our new bread maker. A whole week fresh bread before it was consigned to the back of the cupboard alongside the Nutribullet juicer and the six tins of corned beef that we bought as a panic at the start of the first lockdown. Anyway, yeast makes things rise. We can we lift people up. Yeast makes things rise. Anyway, anyway, nonetheless, it's all about transformation. If we are blessed to be a blessing, as we're transformed in Christ, we can also be agents of transformation. The yeast. We're agents of transformation. God trusts us with that, by the way. God trusts us. 
We can be the agents of transformation. As he's put into us, we can give out to others. My other favourite verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You'll know this one. You'll know all of them, but you'll know this one. Um, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone, a new life has begun. Now that's exciting. A new life has begun. That's exciting. My favourite type of projects when I'm working, my favourite type of projects are when we take a building that is overlooked or unused or, or broken down and neglected and give it renewed purpose. We restore it. We reveal the beauty that has been hidden or forgotten. I always try to have a couple of projects like that on the board. It's a redemption story. Mine, my story is a redemption story. It's a redemption story. I just feel a connection with these sorts of jobs. But why wouldn't our work be like a prophetic mirror? You know, an extension of what God does in the lives of his children over and over and over again. A new life has begun. Why wouldn't we also have a new adventure every day as we carry the presence of God into every situation expecting transformation? I love the way it's rendered. It's a, it's a popular scripture I'm still about to bring, but I love the way it's rendered in the message. Romans 12, 1 and 2. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognise what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Romans 12, 1 and 2, the message. Now, that's transformation. The next word that I would bring from a professional background would be perspective. Now, perspective Perspective has always been a thing for me. I loved perspective drawing at school. I went into the study and the practice of architecture probably because of it. The dictionary definition of perspective goes like this. Perspective. Noun. The art of representing three-dimensional objects on a two-dimensional surface so as to give the right impression of their height, width, depth and position in relation to each other. So the question I have is this, do I have the right impression of myself, my relationships and my life? How can I find it? Who can I ask? Isaiah 46 gives a great answer. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. God, the Father, the Creator, the only one who has the full perspective. You'll find your right impression, the right perspective, in Him. And there's a few things that have kind of nudged my thinking on this one over the last year or so. I saw a post from Stephen Furtick last year. I think it was on Instagram. He said this, Prayer isn't just about saying things to God. It's about seeing things as God sees them. 
This one's good. This one's good too. It's from Terry Virgo. I'm sure some of you have heard this one before. You may remember it. He said, prophetic people are totally alive to world issues, yet totally sold out to God's perspective. Let's view the world. Let's view the situation. Let's view everything that's happening from God's perspective. I want to be like that. I want to be like that. I need to be like that. Otherwise, it's overwhelming. <laughs> See our lives and situations from God's perspective. It's the only way to keep hope alive. So before we close today, I'm not closing yet, by the way, but before we close today, I'll read out some scripture. It's the primary way God speaks to us. So it's the primary way that we'll hear the truth about ourselves. Know the truth and the truth shall set us free. But first, I have another thought that follows on from perspective, and it's about seeing things as God sees them. Tess asked a question. She said, if you could tell your spouse or daughter one thing, what would you tell them? What do they need to know? Now, it's a simple question, I suppose, but it really got me thinking about seeing things again from a different perspective. Now, obviously I have Jill, but what I don't have and what I've never really considered is, how would I speak to my daughter? How would I approach from that perspective? Now, there's a, a dad that I've got to know. Um, my boys all play football. His boy played with my eldest when they were just starting out several years ago. But he also has two daughters. Uh, and they're, they're champions in the world of competitive dancing. Now, from what I can gather now, that world is utterly brutal compared to the world of competitive boys football. Anyway, he posted something on Instagram the other day. It was a quote. I'm sorry, I don't have a reference. But he said, it said this. If I could give my daughter three things, it would be the confidence to always know her self-worth, the strength to chase her dreams, and the ability to know how deeply loved she is. Now, that's really good. Confidence, strength, security and love. It's brilliant. That's brilliant. But as I was thinking about this and thinking about what all this means, another line popped into my head out of nowhere. And it was a line of scripture and not one I think that I've ever uttered. And the thought went like this. Tell her she is the apple of his eye. Now, I'm not claiming it was an audible voice of God or anything like that, but it was definitely Holy Spirit inspired. Jill can confirm it. I don't speak or even think like that. Apple of his eye, apple of your eye, apple of my eye. It's not a phrase that I would use, but the whisper was there again. You would tell her that she is the apple of his eye. Now, the apple of his eye, it's, it's a fascinating phrase. I had to look into it. The apple of his eye. It's mentioned in Psalm 17, Proverbs 7, Zechariah 2, and also here in Deuteronomy 32. It's used to describe the way that God cares for his people. In this case, it's Jacob, his house, Israel, his people. It now includes all people, me and you. For the Lord's portion, this is the New King James, but for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreads out its wings, taking them up, 
carrying them on its wings. What a picture of our caring, loving Father. Now, when God makes you the apple of his eye, he surrounds you at your lowest, at your loneliest. He draws you back to him. You're never alone, so be free to love. When God makes you the apple of his eye, he instructs and directs you. You're never lost, so you can be confident. When God makes you the apple of his eye, he protects and provides for you. So you never have to fear. So be strong. Be strong. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him, instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. As an eagle stirs up its nest, hovers over its young, spreads out its wings, taking them up carrying them on his wings. Now, the phrase apple of his eye passed into common usage in the English language a long, long time ago. And it's, it's a fascinating study to learn its significance and its meaning. It speaks of affirmation. When we refer to the apple of his eye, we refer to someone or something of the highest value. The highest value. It speaks of attention. When, when we refer to the apple of his eye, we refer to someone or something in the centre of our gaze, our uninterrupted focus, the thing or the person who has our full attention. It speaks of affection. When we refer to the apple of his eye, we refer to someone or something to be looked after with tender care and love. It speaks of protection. The centre of the eye, the pupil, is very vulnerable. It is open, it's where the light gets in, but it is surrounded and protected. It has eyelashes and eyelids and eyebrows and eye sockets. It's free to do what it needs to do because it's so well protected. It speaks of protection. So when we refer to the apple of his eye, we, re we refer to someone or something surrounded and protected. And finally, and I love this. It speaks of, the apple of his eye, speaks of reflection. The literal translation in the original Hebrew of the apple of his eye means maiden of the eye or little man in the eye. It speaks of reflection. Someone or something reflected in God's eye. And that speaks of closeness. To see the reflection, you have to be close. And it speaks of identity. You're surrounded by him. He is close to you. You see yourself in his eyes. He is love. Therefore, his eyes are love. What he sees from his eyes, you're seeing reflected. So you get your identity in him. You see yourself in his eyes of love. Absolutely love that. So you get his perspective we literally find our identity in him so no wonder David cried out to God keep me in the apple of your eye Jesus once asked Peter who do you say I am and I suppose to finish this morning what I'm asking is who does your father say you are there are many affirmations throughout scripture seek them out and write them down Write them down. Feed on these. 
you're a new creation in Christ. So who am I in Christ? There's a brilliant list that was compiled a few years back by a guy called Neil Anderson. And when I was not long a Christian, I kept referring back and back and back to this list. So if it's okay over the next couple of minutes, I'll just share this with you. But who am I in Christ? Well, the first thing we need to know, we need to know is I am accepted. John 1 says, I am God's child. John 15 says, I am a friend of Jesus. Romans 5 says, I have been justified. 1 Corinthians 6, I am united with the Lord and I am one with him in spirit. It also says, I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. Who am I? I belong to God. I'm a member of Christ's body, 1 Corinthians 12 says. Ephesians 1 says, I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Colossians 1, I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. Colossians 2, I am complete in Christ. Hebrews 4, I have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. Now, I need to understand another thing. I am secure. I am secure. I am free from condemnation, Romans 8. I am assured that God works for good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me and I cannot be separated from the love of God. Corinthians 2.1, I have been established, anointed and sealed by God. Colossians 3, I am hidden with Christ in God. Philippians 1, I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. Philippians 3, I am a citizen of heaven. 2 Timothy 1, I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love and a sound mind. 1 John 4, I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me. And there's more. I am significant. I am significant. Jesus says so. I am a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and a channel of his life. I have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. 1 Corinthians 3, I am God's temple. 2 Corinthians 5, I am a minister of reconciliation for God. Ephesians 3, I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Philippians 4, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And finally, as we've learned from Ephesians 2, I am seated with Jesus Christ in the heavenly realm and I am God's workmanship. Amen. Amen. So this morning, I believe your father simply wants you to know, he simply wants us to know, you're the apple of his eye. For we are God's handiwork created in Jesus Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And oh, there are great things to do. Glory to God. But as we step into God's plans and God's purposes and what we are called to do, we do so in the full assurance of who we are called to be. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. You are a new creation. You are the apple of his eye. And I think I'll probably leave things on that note. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left. I would like to pray if that's okay. And then we'll close there. Thanks for joining me though. It's been an absolute joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we're two or three are gathered in your name, that your name, Jesus. You're in the midst of us. Thank you that you're with us just now. Lord, I pray that your people today would be encouraged and strengthened in the knowledge of who they are in you. Lord, that they would go into their day and their week in confidence, knowing that they're loved by you, that 
They are the apple of your eye. Lord, I pray as we as we leave today, as we go about our day, Lord, that we would we would do so knowing that we are called according to your purposes, Lord, that you have prepared things for us to do, but also we would grow into the people that you have called us to be. Lord Jesus, I just pray your blessing on each one of us today, Lord, that we would leave in absolute confidence, absolute assurance, and filled with your joy, the joy of life that you give us, the new life which has begun. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, I think that's us for today. Thank you so much for, for joining me. It's been an absolute privilege to be here, Tea with Tess. It's not a meeting, it's a movement. God bless you guys. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again.